What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 198. 98! Oh my gosh. And we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Babylon. Babylon. Babylon, 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 Babylon. Um, I guess we'll get into it when we get into it. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't necessarily see the tie-in. We'll talk about it. Okay. Hi, friends. We're an independent podcast. If you like what we've got going on, you can help support the show over at buymeacoffee.com slash walking through, or you can go to our website at wtts.space space and click the little coffee cup icon in the bottom right corner. Uh, once there, you can buy one or two or several coffees if you wish. Uh, thank you, Kevin, again, for uh, buying us some coffees. Appreciate that a lot. And Indeed, if thank you. you- and if you would like to really, if you really like what we got going on, you can click on, there's a little button on the bottom of the widget there that takes you to the buymeacoffee.com slash walking through page. And there you can buy what they call memberships. We only have one tier. It's the general fund. And so for uh, some amount, three, five, three dollars, five dollars, three dollars, I think a month, um, you can, you can just help offset costs of what we got going on, which is fantastic. Thanks to those who are contributing there as well. That's really great. We really appreciate it tremendously. And also on the site, there are things called wish lists. And in the wish list uh, area, there are some things that make a lot of sense, like technology, like microphones and a mixer. And then there's also one in there that is definitely a wish for some people, but not really for me. If it funds, we will watch and watch two more episodes of the non-canonical animated series Stargate Infinity record two podcasts on our reactions to those episodes and post it to the main feed. Uh, it has not yet funded. Thanks Kevin for funding that, uh, you know, for um, contributing to that again. Uh, if you, if you really want to watch, me, join Kevin yeah. and help us make this happen. You yeah. are welcome to do so. Uh-huh. It'll make Brent extremely happy. Everybody. Mm, I, I think your definition of happy and mine might be different. They're, they're no, that can't possibly see this. Your your <laughs> your expression of happy is just a little bit grumblier today. Uh, than <laughs> My expression of happy is just a little more grumbly. That's fantastic. So if you want to help contribute with that stuff, you can jump over there and do that. We appreciate it a ton. Honestly, even the infinity stuff, even though I go yuck, it's still very appreciated. And uh, if you've got friends in your life that wants to listen to additionally awesome Stargate-y, content-y with uh, a bunch of adjective-y wise, uh, they can find us just about everywhere. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. But if they go and get themselves a podcast alligator, they can type in Walking Through the Stargate and they can find us there. They can subscribe. And every time we post an episode, voila, it will be in their feed and they'll be able to listen to us ramble about Stargate. But hey, they'll be in the loop. And then they can go to you and be like, this was amazing. I'm so glad that you recommended this. And you'll be like, I know, this is great. So, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to let us know that um, 198 is very close to 200, or that uh, they are sympathetic to my plight and not wanting to watch Stargate Infinity, or they have recommended our podcast to innumerable friends and they all are confused when we recommend using a podcast alligator, how might they reach out and let us know any of that? Well, if you have friends, dear folks, 
you can let us know by emailing <laughs> us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. I have friends. <laughs> I, I have Send. people who I call friends. <laughs> like Brent. I call uh, Brent hello. my friend. <laughs> Hi. Yes, I am. You can, you can count on that one. All right. Yay. I have one. One friend. I can't If you love Stargate Infinity and think it is the height of television, the then height. you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com and share your feelings about the wonders that is Infinity. Mm-hmm. Or if you think it is absolute trash, you can tell us why it is absolute trash. You know, give us a 15-page document on on the 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 qualities of trashiness <laughs> of it. Point one of 70. We, we, we can negotiate the number of pages. That's okay. But it does need to be a well-thought-out essay. Uh, that's I mean, true. If, if you want. I mean, it doesn't have to be. I mean, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to read garbage. Uh, no, 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 no. The essay would be awesome. And I'm just saying, if they don't write a good essay, then they shouldn't send it in. Uh, well, you know, well, there you go. Yes. Uh, anyway, or, or you could go to Facebook and, and you know, talk about it on Facebook, um, because that's a great place to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Sure. Uh, oh, you- oh, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> hey, David, thank you. Thank you for uh, jumping on in and taking care of a paw of a post. <laughs> All right. I'm laughing because I find it hilarious. Friends, if you were on Facebook and I wasn't, so I didn't see this, but if you were on Facebook over the past (laughs) few days, somebody got in there and posted a picture of it was technically safe for work, but it really wasn't. Um, uh, You know, it was spam. And, uh, you know, because we want to keep we we, I have no problems (laughs) with. With said things, but we try to keep this thing clean on purpose, right? Like this is there's no need, there's no need. There's, yeah, there's plenty of podcasts out there that just go ahead with the trash, and the, and it's fine, it's fine. I don't, I, I, I'm not. There's no judgment, but you know, like we we didn't want to do that, and so, um, any of you who saw that post and was like, oh no, like sincere apologies for sure. People are dumb. Uh, I'm laughing because I find it just. Stupid. And but anyway, David, thank you for uh, catching that and uh, taking that down. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'll 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 speak up to say, you know, hey, if you're on Facebook and you see something that is spammy or even objectionable, I won't guarantee that everything that you think is objectionable will get taken down. But I can definitely guarantee we'll take a look. And so, like, just just holler at us in all sorts of different ways. And Zach's going to tell us all the different ways. Yeah. Uh, Well, one, you can email us at walking through the stargate at gmail dot com. Uh, you can uh, like ping it or something on Facebook, and that yep. will uh, give me and David as admins uh, a, a notification that something somebody said was weird is is there. So yep. we can take a look at it. Uh, you can of course go to the discords and and tell Brent. Yes. Um. And <laughs> and Brent will have to tell me. Yes. Because I I I like the discords. I think it's fun. I just uh I'm not able to be on there and oh, no. interact fine. as fast as other people no, so it's fine you know it's all good i, I, I i'm not complaining i'm not i'm not uh uh like trying to explain myself i'm just simply stating what is it, it, it is what it is um you can go to buy me a coffee and buy a coffee and then in the comments <laughs> say there's a link on facebook that's weird yeah but that one might not get seen quite as quickly <laughs> But you can do Brent, it. You, you can Brent, do it. I'm trying to give them the oh, options I'm that sorry. are available. Okay. All right. 
Yes, this is an option. This is true. It's an, option. an option. Um, if you have um homing pigeons and you happen mm-hmm. to know where we live, mm-hmm. uh, which is tricky because I don't think either one of us. Well, okay, so my brother knows where we live. Tim, if you have a homing <laughs> pigeon, <laughs> uh, Justin's out there. Justin. <laughs> There are a few of you out there who know where we live. If you find you some of this stuff and pigeon. want to send us a homing pigeon with this information, that works too, I guess. Yes. Uh, send me an email that you sent the homing pigeon so that I know to look for it. Why is there this bird that's just sitting out in front of my house? Exactly. What is that on its leg? I don't know. It looks like a note. I, I don't care. I, I, I don't know anybody that would send a ho. Wait a minute. <laughs> All righty. Um, you know, and, and if you uh, want to, uh, for the 200th episode, that's just two episodes away. It'll be uh, probably the week after the Super Bowl, um, uh, which, you know, is coming up here soon. Uh, so you got an idea there. Uh, send us an email with a little, you know, the video of you and your sock puppet or a question. If you, yep. if, if you are unable to make a video, you can send an audio question. Uh, it can... You know, sometimes, sometimes the question "ask me any" or the statement "ask me anything" is a little too broad, right? You say "ask me anything," and then everybody head goes well, and they yep. stop and they can't think of anything. So, you know, ah, here here are some suggestions. You ah! can ask about uh, what we do for fun outside of podcasting. Yeah, you could ask about. Um, you know what we did when we were five years old and, and uh, had yes. fun then yes. you could ask about uh what we've thought about the arc of stargate up to this point that's true you could ask us about uh what we would do if we were different in stargate or something you know uh-huh. what would you know what would we want to do if we were uh you know in stargate you know where would our role be at the oh, sgc that's a good one you know, that's a good question so you know i mean uh, th- those are just some suggestions off of the top of my head to get you going, you know, um, have some fun with it. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you want to ask us a stupid question, like how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop? Yeah. The answer is three. One, two, three. Crunch. Uh, actually, actually, technically it would be four because that crunch counts. Does it count? Uh, sure. Okay. But to see, this is the kind of high level answers that you can expect. Or or you could give us like like a battle, right? Like standard football stadium. Who would win? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 Shepard or 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 <laughs> Mitchell, right? Oh, oh, people. I for a minute, I was imagining a person who herds sheep on one end. You could do that, right? Right. You shepherds versus or like uh, deer. De- deer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of things you could you could say. Like you could ask a question of like, what is um, what is your favorite winter attire? Ooh, yeah. You could say things. You could ask things like, um, what shade of brown is your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> you know if you were a color what color would you be and why mm, yes yes and why you know, oh dear uh you know if, if you wanted you could get a rorschach painting 
uh, and yeah, put yeah, it up on yeah. the screen and yeah. say, what do you see? What do and you see? To, oh, ooh, what do you see? Yeah. Ah, yep. you know, um, you know, whatever. Or if you just want to do something silly or serious. Yeah, I mean, you could ask a serious question like, um, how many hours do we spend making this podcast in a week? That's a serious. Yeah. Yeah. Things um, like that. Yeah, there, there are all sorts of questions, and everything is fair game. What's uh, been our know, favorite Second Chances episode? Ooh. Right? I have to look at the list. I know, me too, <laughs> but you know, hey. Yeah. Um, you know, so there are there's all sorts of things that you could do. Um, have fun with it. Yes. You know, um, just be, be creative. Be, be the, the wonderful people that you are, because you are all wonderful people. Indeed, it's true. Even you in the back row. Yes, you. You're wonderful. I'm not wonderful. Uh, yes, yeah, you even are. you. You're wonderful. You've got some interesting things inside that, yep. that, that brain meets. So, you know, um, join us for the 200th episode. I mean, we got to 200 episodes. I know. It's bananas. Uh, well, we will have gotten to. I know. We're close. We're quite close. We're close. So, uh, join us. It'll be fun. It'll be a celebration. Uh, we will do a video cast of it. Um, it'll probably be. Brent, we'll have to figure out, um, and we can a advertise this on our various platforms, uh, we'll have to find a specific time that we plan to make it live. Um, oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I don't know, you know, so we yeah, can we'll let people that know and, and all that stuff. That um, So we'll figure that out, but it'll, it'll be fun. Uh, it'll probably go up on our YouTube channel, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, like we said before, like, uh, and Zach, if you don't, now, I mean, I can, I can strip the audio out and post it to the, to the channel. You know, so if you're listening to this on a regular podcasty thing, and you're like, I don't know where to, 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 don't worry about it. Like, we will be kind of talking about it in the yeah, audio the, part. The audio of this will be on our standard feed. Yes. Uh, and then we'll also have the video available in, in a couple of different places. Yep. So, <clears throat> there you go. All right, Brent. Yeah. Babylon. Yeah. And we're not talking about the ancient city of Babylon. No, we were not. Um, no, we are talking about an ancient city, I guess. Sort of. But anyway, the director for this episode was none oh, yeah, other okay. than Peter DeLuise. Yes. This is his first of six directing credits this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teleplay for this episode is Damien Kindler. Uh-huh. <laughs> A very hit or miss writer, in our opinion. Uh-huh. <laughs> ah, that explains some things. <laughs> Uh, this is his first of three writing credits this mm -hmm. season. We have several guest actors to talk about. Uh, first, we'll mention Gary Jones as Walter Harriman. Yep. And Lexa Doig as Dr. Carolyn Lamb. Yep. And now we have a whole bunch of new people for this one. <clears throat> yeah, okay. So we'll start with Jason George, who plays Jolan. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the one who trains Mitchell. Yes. Right? Uh, he was born in 1972 in uh, Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an actor and a producer. He's known for Fallen, for Sunset Beach, and for Breaking In, mm -hmm. and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, he attended the University of Virginia and later Temple University in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. uh, he's trained in stage combat and fight choreography, which makes sense given all that he was doing. Yep. He's also a skilled dancer, juggler, tumbler, martial artist, and he enjoys track and football. Yeah, very nice. He has a younger brother named Jarvis W. George, mm -hmm. who is also an actor. Oh, nice. Now, 
Uh, Jason's first IMDb credit came in 1998 uh, in the movie Fallen, Mm -hmm. where he plays the character College Kid. Ah, he's just the college kid. The college kid. Now, we have Jarvis W. George, who plays Volneck. I was going to say, we just heard that name. We did just hear that name. As a matter of fact, Jarvis W. George has an older brother named Jason, who is an actor. <laughs> really? Oh, interesting. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jarvis was born in 1976. He's known for uh, movies and TV shows such as Dave in 2020, uh, The Wire in 2002, and mm-hmm. AP Bio in 18. Mm-hmm. Okay. He played football at, Har- at Howard University. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, he's got an older brother, Jason, who is an actor. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Uh, if, if you haven't picked up on it, Brent, <laughs> they're brothers. <laughs> they're brothers. <laughs> they're brothers playing brothers. Brothers playing brothers. Holy cow. This is not the first time they've been in the same show together. Oh, okay. Uh, they, they were in another movie or TV show. I didn't run down, so I can't remember what it was. <clears throat> anyway, Jarvis's first IMDb credit came in the year 2000 in the TV movie Homicide the Movie. Oh, my. Okay. He played witness number two. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Now, okay. So we have William B. Davis, who plays the Ori Pryor. Ah, uh, yes. Was, right? A, a, a very heavy speaking role. He, uh, yeah, you know. Suffice <laughs> to say, we'll see him again. Okay, all right. Um, he was born in 1938, so he was old when this episode was going on. Yes. Uh, you know, what would this that'd make him 68 or so? Yep, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I suppose when I get closer to 68, I might not think at all it's old. Yeah. <laughs> He was he was seasoned when he uh, took this role. Yes. Um, suffice it to say, he's still acting today in 2024. Ah, okay. Um, which makes him, you know, quite old. Literally, now we can say he really is old. Yeah, I think he would probably agree. Yeah. Uh, he is known for the X Files, both the TV series and the 1998 X Files movie. Mm-hmm. He played the uh, uh, the the cigarette man. I think is what it's called. Or ah, uh, yes. Smoking man, or I don't remember what it was. Smoking um, man, I think is that right? I think that's right. I haven't seen yep. X Files. I just made half of the listenership just throw their devices across the room. Uh, you know, I mm-hmm. I have never. I've, I've watched a few episodes of X Files, but I've never really seen it. I, and it, it never n- caught me. No, I'm no. not interested in doing a podcast about watching the X Files. Sorry. If that sounds like a good idea for you, listener, you should do it. Hey, you know, I think that would be a laudable task for somebody. Uh-huh. I bet yeah. somebody has done it. Probably, but I do, but you know, hey, did, did, just because somebody's done it doesn't mean that there isn't that there isn't room for a different take on it. That's true. Because other people did our podcast and then we said we were going to do it our, our way. Yeah, and ours is slightly different. It is. Um so let's see here. Uh William Davis uh is or was a professor of acting and he was also the owner and operator of the Vancouver-based William Davis Center for Actors Study. Mhm. Um, he is not doing that anymore. Uh, I don't know if that, uh, center still exists, but you know, Hey, it was there for a while. It was there. He, yep. he was there. Um, you know, he, like I said, uh, even though his X-Files character was a major smoker, uh, the cigarette man and all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, he himself is actually not a smoker and is very much, um, you know, like actively speaks out against smoking yeah. and such. Um, so there you go. His First IMDb credit came in the year 1983 in the movie The Dead Zone uh-huh. when he played Ambulance Driver. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Yep. Uh, next, we have Darcy Laurie, who plays Tassan. This would be the Jaffa who comes and talks to Volnek about all that's happening uh, on his planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in 1966 in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, he's an actor and producer known for Chaos, The Blind, which is a 2021 release, and The Chronicles of Riddick back in 2004. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was growing up, he was both a boxer and a football player. Mm. And uh, as I was looking through this, he actually played one of the cave dwellers in the season one episode, The First Commandment. Okay, cool. So that's a nod it's, back to way back. I was going to say, it's been a long time, but uh, yep. But hey, I so remember that episode. He was one of those guys that put one of those weird, you know, juggernaut type helmets on the, their heads. Yep, yep. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in 1993 in the TV movie Vendetta 2, The New Mafia. Oh, when he okay. played Simonelli Driver. Mm, okay. And then finally, we have none other than Tony Todd, Lord Hycon himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here we have a mini biography written by Linda Reitman. Okay. I don't know who she is, but here we go. Okay. Perhaps best known for his chilling performance as Candyman, the charismatic six foot five inch actor Tony Todd has consistently turned in compelling performances since his debut in the fantasy film Sleepwalk Mm -hmm. in 1986. Born in Washington, D.C., Todd spent two years on a scholarship at the University of Connecticut, which in turn led to a scholarship from the renowned Eugene O'Neill National Theater Institute. It proved to be the foundation for intense stints at the Hartman Conservatory in Stanford, in Stanford, Connecticut, and the at the and the Trinity Square Repertory Theater Conservatory in Providence, Rhode Island. Todd mm-hmm. appeared in dozens of classical and many experimental plays, yet still managed to find time to teach playwriting to high school students in the Hartford public school system. Todd's extensive credits exemplify his versatility. They include such film classics as The Rock, The Crow, Lean on Me. Bird, Night of the Living Dead, Final Destination, the multiple Academy Award-winning Oliver Stone film Platoon, The Secret, which was nominated and screened at the Cannes Film Festival. Mm -hmm. Todd's recent films include the independent film Silence in 2002, so this is a little bit old, (laughs) and Final Destination 2 in 2003. He has had prominent guest starring roles in numerous critically acclaimed television series, including on Boston Public, For the People, The District, as well as NYPD Blue, Smallville, Law and Order, Crossing Jordan, Homicide, Life on the Street, and The X-Files. Todd recurred on three incarnations of Star Trek and guest starred on Xena Warrior Princess and episodes of CSI Miami and Andromeda. His television movies include starring roles in True Women, Black Fox, Butter, Ivory Hunters, Babylon 5, A Call to Arms, and Control Factor. Personally, they didn't talk enough about Star Trek there. He played none (laughs) other than Kern, Worf's brother, uh, for several episodes in two different series. He also played uh, Jake Sisko as an old man Mm -hmm. in... Uh, I can't come up with the name of that episode, but in, in the season four, season five episode, four or five episode of Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. um, which is 
a trem- I mean, that, that episode is absolutely astounding. It's one of the best episodes of Deep Space Nine. Uh, one of the best episodes of Star Trek, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, well worth going to watch. And you can watch that even if you don't really know much about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yep. that's my aside. Continuing from uh, Linda Reitman. Todd's considerable theater credits include the world premiere of award-winning playwright August Wilson's King Hedley II, where he originated the title role in Pittsburgh, Seattle, and Boston. Mm-hmm. Variety commented, Todd's King Hedley dominates the stage, a sour-faced mix of rage and resolve, anger and vulnerability. Todd's Hedley was a memorable tour de force, even on opening. He also received a coveted Helen Hayes nomination for his performance in Athel Fugard's The Captain's Tiger at the Lajala, the at Lajala, the Manhattan Theater Club, and the Kennedy Center. Mm-hmm. Other theater credits include Le Blanc, Playboy of the West Indies, Othello, Zuman, and The Sign, award-winning playwright Keith Glover's Dark Paradise, Aida on Broadway, and most recently, Levy James for the prestigious Eugene O'Neill Playwrights Conference and the New Dramatist Guild. Very nice. I suspect that that most recently is not most recently anymore. Probably not. uh, He has over... 240 IMDb acting credits. Wow. Holy cow. And he's got currently 18 that are not part of that 240 oh. that are upcoming. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, he, dang. He is working. Yep. Uh, so his first IMDb credit came in the movie Sleepwalk in 1986, and he played the character Barrington. Mm-hmm. So those are our characters for this episode. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, the original air date was September 9, 2005. Yeah. Number one on the charts. Nope, I'm still not talking about it. No. Wow, really? No. In the okay. UK, they were listening to <laughs> Dare by Gorillaz. <laughs> okay, at least, at least you got something to listen to here. <laughs> yeah. So what is Dare by Gorillaz? Well, Gorillaz is um, like this super band of a bunch of different... Uh, 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 talented individuals. The one, the lead singer was the lead singer from Blur, which was this really popular band in England, and he's a little popular in the United States. So it's, uh, it's got this like, um, it's it's gonna have a bit of a hip hop aspect to it, okay. with um, you know, with uh, with some kind of, I'll call it like alt rock type, like foundation to the All whole right. thing. So it's, got, so it's, it's probably got, like got a nice little bounce to it. To yep, that's right. To, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, number one in the box office was The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. She has been possessed by the 40-year-old virgin. Oh, oh no. my gosh. That's and they terrible. need a transporter, not just one, but two of them, <laughs> to get okay. that exorcism completed. Okay. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And it's uh-huh. done by the constant gardener, right? The gardener oh. who is weeding the, that 40-year-old version demon out of Emily Rose. Uh-huh. And when it's all said and done, she's been crying a lot. It's hurt. It's painful. She's got red eye. Okay. All right. That works. All right. Okay. Does that work? It does work. Okay. Good. 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 Yeah. All right. Now, what else was happening at this time? On September 2nd. So this is uh, almost a, a week a week before this episode aired, but there wasn't an episode on the 7th for SG-1, so I couldn't talk about it then. Anyway, yeah. 
the American actor Bob Denver, who played Gilligan on Gilligan's Island, dies of complications from treatment for cancer at the age of 70. Uh-huh, okay. A couple days later, on the 4th, James Mangold's biographic drama film Walk the Line, starring Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny Cash and Reese Witherspoon as June Carter, debuts at the Telluride Film Festival yeah. in Telluride, Colorado. Yep. Uh, on the 7th of September... In Egypt, they hold their first presidential election. Okay. And wow. on the 8th, what was it? Wow, I said. Wow. Yep. Okay. On the 8th, uh, two Emercom 276 aircrafts land at a disaster aid staging area at Little Rock Air Force Base. And this is the first time Russia has flown such a mission to North America. Okay. Boy, those so are this be- would have been in response days. to uh, the Hurricane Katrina disaster yeah. and such. Yep. So there you go. And on September 11, the state of Israel completes its unilateral disengagement from the Gaza Strip. Yeah, better days. Yeah, mm-hmm. that didn't last. Um, I've got a couple of trivia things for this episode. Yes. Um, one, uh, Ben Browder performs... Just about all of his stunts in this episode. I was noticing that he was like in it a lot. Yep. Yep. Um, apparently, though, there were like after a couple of sets of dailies where they were like the, the, the producers are like, oh, my gosh, you're doing that to our main actor. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they took some of the stunting away from him. So there are a few th- like when he's like running through some of the running through the and falling down in the forest. I think was a stunt. Yeah, level. absolutely. No, like, because I mean, like, think about it from a producer point of view. It's not quite like a movie where, you know, if your main actor gets laid up for a while, like, you know, that's a bummer and that's bad. It's not, you're not happy about it. But the date when you release the movie is not the same as the date when you're going to be sending out an episode. Right. You've got, you've got, uh, you got TV, TV shows that have been already booked. Yeah. And, no main actor and, on the and ground. It's, and it's not just, I mean, you know, if if Ben Browder happens to break his ankle or something in that process, that's bad for Ben. But, you know, he'll heal. It's not such a big deal. Uh, But not only does it stop him from the shooting schedule, it stops everybody. Yes. So now you have just, you know, ended the the careers, at least temporarily. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For for dozens of people. Yep. Um, and, And that's that's not a good thing. Uh, which is why they have stunt doubles out there so that, you know, when you break them, you know, you can keep going with the uh-huh, different yep. stunt double. <laughs> that sounds terrible. It, it does. It is. But, you know, but it's also like that's that's the nature of the entertainment thing. Like that's, you know. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's it's the way it is. Yep. Uh, the plot of this episode is very similar to Tom Cruise's film, The Last Samurai, which uh-huh. came out just a few uh, years before this. Uh, in both, you have the character either Nathan, which is Tom Cruise, or Mitchell, uh, kill or nearly kill an important figure from their respective warrior communities before they are captured in their first skirmish, and then they have to go to a remote village and must remain there for a long period of time and train and learn and and you know become friends and you know respect and all of that stuff, and then maybe potentially ad- adopted into the communities. Mitchell isn't quite, but, you know, uh, Tom Cruise, Nathan was in, in that movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, incidentally, uh, The Last Samurai came out when I was in Japan, 
And oh. I ended up watching it twice in like three days. Um, uh-huh. Because I went to go see it. Uh, and like just normal with me and, and Julie and probably a couple friends. I can't remember for sure who was there. And then like the next day, one of my English students, because I was teaching English to Japanese students, uh, wanted, uh, and she was actually a really good English speaker mm-hmm. as, as, as a sophomore in high school goes. Uh, she wanted to go see that movie uh, with Julie and me so that she could practice her English or kind of, you know, work on that. Yeah. And, you know, and so we said, okay. And, and so we went to the movie again a few days later uh, with, with her. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, uh, so there you go. Yeah. It, 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 it it's, a, it's a good movie. It's not worth seeing twice in three days. <laughs> Reminds me briefly. I ended up seeing Titanic three times in the theater, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Four. But it had everything to do with that. We saw it and then a group of friends was seeing it. And then some relatives were in town and we were like, let's go to the movies. What do we want to see? Well, nothing's playing. Titanic's good. Let's go see that. I think there was a fourth kind of the same idea. Different friends. But yeah. So when I tell people I've seen Titanic in the theater four times, they're like, wow, you must have really loved it. And I'm like, I mean, it was good. But <laughs> so so my Titanic experience is basically identical to yours. Yeah, I think it was only three but the reason I saw it three times is because I had three different groups of friends at different times who wanted to go see it. Yep. Um, and I think since then I have gotten, uh, I think it was uh, Avengers uh, in Endgame. Okay. Endgame. I think Endgame I've seen three times in the theater and I was trying really hard to get that a fourth time so that <laughs> Titanic wouldn't be the one that I've seen the most in the theater. Alas. Alas, it didn't happen. Nope. Um, so it's still tied uh, but at least it's not the only one that's up there. Uh, what you should do is that you should find a 90 minute run of like some kids movie or something and then just like watch it four times in a row. OK, you do realize, Brent, that I don't have any kids. I didn't say it would be an enjoyable experience. No, no, no. But my point is, it's like, why are you a 40 something year old man without any children watching this movie six times? Like you're a movie no. critic. Yeah. You're Critics just getting started that many times. Hey, they want to really kind of that's your that's your angle. You watch it six times so that you can really get it. And then you write your review. Yeah. Why don't I continue with my trivia <laughs> questions? <laughs> we probably should continue. This is actually, after all, a Stargate podcast. This is a Stargate podcast. Stargate, so, Stargate, Stargate. Uh, normally, I don't put a lot of goofs in here because I don't really care about yeah. the goofs. Uh, but this one was just funny. Right at the beginning, Mitchell says, we haven't found so much as a snapped twig on this planet. And as the camera is panning, you actually see a tree that has clearly been cut down with a chainsaw. The <laughs> stump of a tree. <laughs> I mean, I'm, they kind of covered it with a little bit of moss and whatnot. But but clearly that's a stump that was cut. It was, yeah. didn't just tip over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so, you know, that just made me giggle when yes, I saw that. Yes. Yep. In any case, uh, this episode in other languages, the title is Babylon, 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 Babylon in the Germans, Hungarians, Czech and Spanish. Uh-huh. Okay. The French call it For Honor. For and Honor. And the Italians call it The True Enemy. Oh, okay. The True Enemy. Got it. Yep. There you go. All right. Are you ready for the synopsis? of Babylon. Yes, let's dive into it. Alright, here we go. The newly formed team called SG-1 wanders through the lush forests of the Pacific Northwest, 
I, I, I mean, an alien planet. <laughs> yeah, right. They yeah. received intel that an enigmatic group of Jaffa or somewhere around this place, they are called the Sodan, and have been freed of the Guawuld oppression for over 5,000 years. Mm-hmm. Now, this team consists of its leader, Lieutenant Colonel Cameron Mitchell, Lieutenant Colonel Samantha Carter, the Jaffa warrior Teal'c, and Dr. Daniel Jackson. But doctor of what? Archaeology. Doesn't say that. It was so kind to explain everything else. Sorry. <laughs> and doctor of archaeology, Daniel Jackson. See, there we go. That's better. All right. They banter back and forth over whether though these Sodan exist when suddenly they are ambushed by invisible fighters. Mm-hmm. Staff blasts fly. Guns go rat-a-tat-a-tat. Mitchell orders the team to fall back to the gate. They retreat. But he is ambushed by a Sudan warrior. The two fight. Both get grievously injured. The rest of the Sudan arrive and take Mitchell captive. Believing their comrade is dead, and then hearing more gunfire approaching, they retreat. SG-1 lost their leader, but they gained a dying Sudan warrior, so samesies. Samesies. <laughs> you get to be the leader now, Sudan warrior. <laughs> yeah, that'll go well. So... Mitchell later awakens in the Sodan camp. They have tended to his wounds and worked to restore him to health. Now, this isn't because they like him or they think he's a good guy. No, 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 no. They heal him because it's just not sporting to kill a guy in ritual combat who's already nearly dead. Yes, that's true. Now, as he recovers, Mitchell learns a few things. First, he's going to die in ritual combat called Kelshaklo, where a close relative of the Sodan, killed by the enemy, gets to return the favor to the enemy. Second, yeah. he's going to be trained for this combat by Jolan, who is also the one who tended his wound and saved his life. And third, an Ori prior has already visited the Sudan, and their leader, Lord Haikon, seems to be buying what the Ori are selling. Oh, no. No, they're not the ancients, but they got cool powers. Who can deny that? Oh, and, and, and fourth, Jolan is the brother of Volnek, the Sudan that Mitchell killed, uh, but didn't kill because he was saved by the ministrations of Dr. Lamb, but the Sudan don't know that, so yeah, he's the one that Mitchell killed. Yep. Okay, okay. moving on. Jalan and Mitchell train. They build a respect for one another, if not a friendship. Mitchell gives warning of the Ori. Jalan trusts Haikon, but also doesn't seem so convinced of the Ori, so, mm-hmm. you know, there's some stuff there going on. Okay, meanwhile, back at the SGC, as I mentioned above, Dr. Lamb and her team save Volnick's life. They try to save the symbiote, but they can't, and so they put him on Tritonin. When he recovers, SG-1 try to talk with him, but he is not forthcoming. The Ori are not gods and cannot be trusted. I don't believe you, you filthy slave of a Jaffa! Well, uh, let me tell you a story about how they, the Ori are bad. Yeah, yeah, I don't like you either, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. He goes back and forth, back and forth, over and over again. Now, back with the Sodan. Mitchell has trained hard. He's healed up, he's gained the respect of Jalan, and is now prepared to go through Kelshaklo. Jalan and Mitchell fight. Mitchell dies. Jalan says, I'll take care of the body. Later, Mitchell isn't dead. Surprise! He was just poisoned with a tincture that made him appear dead. He's just mostly dead. Hey, that was my joke! Oh, whoops. (laughs) That's right, folks. He was only mostly dead, which means he was slightly alive. (laughs) 
Look, I'm sorry, Zach. We run in the same circles. We've been friends for a long time. It makes it's. I wasn't reading ahead. I and know yet, you weren't. That's where this. <laughs> Uh, and, and and if you've seen this plot before, it's because there's an episode of Star Trek, the original series, way back in 1968, probably. Sure. Uh, I think it's a second season episode. It might be a first season episode, in which case it's 66, 67. Anyway, uh, it's called Amok Time. Yeah. And and Spock and Kirk have to fight. And then Bones, they actually make a, a, a note about Bones in this episode, by the way. They do. Yep. Uh uh, Bones gives an injection to Kirk to make him appear dead so that Spock can, quote, kill him. But again, he's only mostly dead, which means yes. he's slightly alive. Yes. Anyway. To blave. <sighs> Have fun storming the castle. You are the brute squad. Ah, sorry I didn't mean to jog his memory so hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> Tulan agrees to help Mitchell return to the SGC, and now that everyone else thinks he's now now that everyone else thinks he's dead, and after that, uh, Jalan will continue to resist the Ori and you know support the Sodan uh, who don't quite like the Ori thing. Yeah. Okay. Now back on Earth, Volnek has remained his stubborn self. Mitchell returns and says hello. Suffice it to say, both are surprised the other is alive. You're alive. I mean, you're alive. Wow, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Despite his acerbic attitude, the SGC releases Volnick to return home. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Babylon. Yeah. What do you think? Um, hmm. All right. So, I, I, I very much like the introduction of the Sodan. Okay. I I think that this multicultural thing that they had going on is so 2005. It's ridiculous. I think it's just it's just hollow. It just it just I noticed it and it's just like I'm not going to give it severe marks against it, but it's just like ugh. Like like create something. Don't knock something off, but whatever. Okay, so that happened. But um the story was fine. It was fine. It was linear. Hence me chuckling when I saw Damien Kindler's name on it because it was A to B to C to D. It was it. it there, even the twist at the end was no twist. Like we saw that one coming a mile away. Um, the Zach, I think you don't like avocado. Is that right? You don't like avocado. I'm not a big fan of avocado. Right. OK, but you probably have had experience with ripening avocado, which is a bit of a trick, right? Like right. Right. it's it, like it's a stone. It's, it's a stone. It's, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's good. It's bad. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's way too hard, then it's perfect, then it's terrible. And all of that, that, that transition from not ready to ready to bad happens in about 45 seconds. I mean, you really got to pay, pay paying attention there. Um, I'm feeling like the Ori story is kind of starting to approach Avocado. Like, we are almost halfway through this season. Like, we're really dang close to halfway through this season right now. And I was very excited about the Ori story because boy was it complex and it had a ton of nuance and it had no clear obvious answer and I was very interested to see where the show went to explore it and here we are about halfway through 
And the best thing we can do to show the audience is to keep repeating that the the priors kill everybody who don't believe what they believe. That is the one thing that we have been criticizing and presenting as evidence that they can't possibly be gods over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And it from an American audience who are primarily familiar with monotheistic traditions that assert a benevolent God, that makes sense. That's all the evidence that you need to present to, to start putting into the minds of others doubt that these creatures are actually gods. Stop it. Stop it, storytellers. There is no way any empathy in that story where you could possibly imagine a different set of people who believe in polytheistic ideas where the gods aren't necessarily benevolent. Like the Ori are gods in that vein. What evidence are you presenting to get people who think to, who are already in that channel to stop and and do something different. You need them to do something different. The Ori are extraordinary threats. This was the interesting thing. Like, like they say they are gods. They currently exhibit the power to back it up. What's going to happen to refute this and turn the tide? I am interested in that. So far, the story has had one trick. Well, it's because they kill things. Yeah. But they kill everything. Yeah. They, they kill everything that disagrees. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you worshiping it? Because it's powerful. <laughs> because it'll ruin my life if I don't. That sounds an awful lot like a whole lot of religious traditions. I'm really getting like this. This this ice is getting thin. Remember how I was like, I'm kind of worried that the show actually won't deal with this properly. Like it, it will, it'll actually muff this opportunity of a story. I think right. I'm starting to see it like it's totally possible that they bring it, that they pull it out and they actually do something with this and that I, that I eat my words, but we're halfway through the season. And the best thing that they have right now is they're bad because they kill people who disagree with them. That makes sense from an American tradition of monotheism that assumes a benevolent God. That does not make sense in a science fiction situation where you have cultures who are polytheistic and do not necessarily believe that the gods are benevolent. You got to be more creative. You got to be better. Right. What is it going to be? I don't know. So we're not there yet. So I'm getting kind of frustrated so, with that. So I hear your argument in general, and, and I won't, I won't uh, deny it. Now, in this particular episode, we're dealing with the Sudan. Yeah. Who have been worshiping the ancients as gods. Yes. And we've actually s seen at least suggestions that uh, the ancients are godly to the the roots of Jaffa culture. Yeah. Right? Uh, enlightenment and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, from that perspective, uh, the ancients have been benevolent. Now, they've not been super present. You know, they haven't, you know, they haven't done anything. Yeah. Uh, they haven't done anything to, to hurt you. Uh, haven't done a whole lot of things to help you. Um, now, if that's where you're starting from, then when you see um, the the Ori come in and start talking to this particular group, now we're talking about a group who 
had a sense of a, a benevolent god mm-hmm. or gods, um, and they're getting this other group that has power, and they're not denying the power, and they're also saying, well, the old people, they're not the ancient, you know, they, they didn't... They didn't make our crops like magically grow in three days, right? Um, uh, so you know they're seeing that. So then now that argument that is being made makes sense. Yep. Like okay, so what these people you you have been worshiping the ancients who were benevolent, uh, if distant. Um, these people are coming in and claiming to be benevolent, but in reality they're jerks, and that's a problem. So the argument in this episode actually holds water. Now, when you look at the rest of Jaffa kind and the world that had to deal with the Gua'uld, uh, now you are talking about gods who have power who are clearly not benevolent, but they're also ones that you have to worship in some way. Um, now your argument begins to make more sense. In this case, it's less strong. I, I, I think I understand what you're saying. I think I disagree in so much as the uh i mean i'm not saying that your argument isn't correct or 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 sound it's it's the idea that that the sodon would reject a god set based off of whether or not it was benevolent like again that makes sense from an american monotheistic view where there is a benevolent god but it doesn't necessarily make sense if you're polytheistic i get it they have been polytheistic with a benevolent god set that didn't do anything um and a different set of gods show up and they are acting benevolently and we're coming in with evidence that says actually no if you disagree with them they'll wipe you out i mean i'm still not necessarily convinced that a that a rational person who has been thinking in a particular channel will look at that and go oh you're right i've been wrong they might say oh that's new information about divinity <laughs> that i didn't have before it doesn't necessarily mean that I reject it. It means that I update my definitions. Like it's still um, what I'm really driving at is that is that when you're talking about questions of of belief on the principles of how, why do people believe things? It's ex- it's extremely tricky. Like it's very, in my opinion, it's super interesting. Like there's plenty of people that just their eyes glaze over and they don't want to talk about it. It's just boring. This is like. Steak and potatoes for me. Like, I (laughs) love this stuff. I love it, which is partly why I was like, there's no way a TV show is going to actually serve me a steak with potatoes. Um, And I think I'm seeing evidence that I'm not about to get steak and potatoes. I might get some Salisbury steak soup. But uh, (laughs) right. Like, you know, Zach, you and I have had I don't know how many conversations that are actually steak and potatoes, sometimes over actual steak and potatoes. And. Um, Which, by the way, we really should do a, a virtual steak and potato. We should. Uh, that's a dinner. good idea. We haven't done that for years. Well, that's because we've been doing this podcast this time. That's it's true. That's great, true. Uh, so, true. but you know what I'm driving at. So, 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 so I'm. But Brent, I, me, I have a choice to make. I feel like right now, like I said, we're about almost halfway through the season right now. I can either keep holding on to this hope that we actually have some kind of of discussion on this topic that i would find satisfying um and then issuing demerits every time that it doesn't come up or i can let that go (laughs) i can either be right or i could be happy um (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, that's a Dr. Philism, but uh, I think it's still true. Uh, it can be true. Um, so, like, I think I just I think I got to let it go. I think I have to just understand that I don't think I'm going to be actually satisfied with the show's um, intellectual attack of this problem. I don't think I'm going to be satisfied with that. I therefore am not really enthused because I got a feeling that it's going to be a, a, a bit of a cheap trick. Um, that's okay. Uh, that's kind of like the Star Trek method. And it's not, that's not the worst um, that this thing that you thought was a God was actually just a powerful alien. Like, and here, and here, here we were here. We pull back the curtain. Ta-da. Um, but it's less it's less crunchy. I was hoping for some crunch. So, you know, so what did I think about the story overall? I the the, the introduction of the Sodan, I think, is very interesting that there is a rebellion or a resistance aspect within the Sodan, I think, is interesting. Um, I uh, I think that uh, that that the introduction of the Sodan might be a good story element to help the Jaffa storyline. Um, especially when it's like going to be focusing on tensions. Uh, it really kind of depends on how much time we spend with it, though. If we spend a decent amount of time and explore it, I think it'll be great. If we just kind of have maybe an episode more this season and it's like and then the Sodan come in and and the Jaffa High Council are satiated and everybody's happy at the end. I, I think that's going to be kind of lame. So we'll see. Um but as far as like, you know, how the show was presented, how it was directed, I think it was great. How it was acted, I think it was very well done. I think that that um I think that Ben Browder did a great job uh in in the characters, you know, the character story. The story was not original, but you know, he did a good job within it. I think that um that you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of other mainline cast in this one, not really. Uh the storyline where they're trying to convince the other guy, the brother Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that that was just like I said, I think it was just weak sauce. I think, you know, like, you know, I, I put yourself inside his shoes for a minute. You don't believe what they're saying, right? You're sitting there. You're captive. Your captors are telling you something. You don't know who they are. You don't believe what they say just because they say it. You are suspicious of their motives. And then they bring in somebody with a tattoo on his head who tells you the same story that you have been hearing from these others. Okay, so you just found a different person who works at the SGC to tell me the same thing. Why am I supposed to believe that? So that part of the story, I don't think did any work at all in actually trying to make me feel like the prisoner was being frustrating. The prisoner was just being normal. It was he was being frustrating, but it was a normal normality to it. It was. um, Yes. But, you know, you know, you you change your point of view. He wasn't being frustrating. He was being noble or he was being. he was he was acting he was acting virtuously. Um, you know, we know our heroes. We know the truth. We're getting we're hitting banging our heads against a stone wall. Flip your view to the stone wall. And they have provided nothing at all to actually change the position of the stone wall. It's just but they kill. Yeah, they kill. Tigers do, too. They're you know, like. Things die, man. Like, yeah, but they kill indiscriminately just because you disagree with them. Okay, yeah, that's that bad. But maybe you're lying to me, right? Like, I, it's just, ugh. Okay, I probably, I should just let it go, Zach. I should just let that go. So, what did I think overall about the episode? I think that it was 
a, I think it was a modestly interesting episode. I think that I think that they're setting the Sodan up to be something that's interesting. I look forward to that. Hopefully they don't sell, sell it short. I am. This is the episode where I think I'm just going to have to, you know, just let go and let or I or something um, because they are <laughs> right. Like I, 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 I I'm going to have to do the Apophis thing. Fine, fine, fine. They are bad because our heroes say they are. Okay, and so let's go now and have a story. And when our heroes are like, but they're bad, then, you know, how are we going to how are we going to um, combat them? Are we going to are we going to find ourselves luckily inside some spaceship or another where we suddenly discover that there's like a crystal powering the thing and all of their powers are coming through the gate through this magical thing? And if we you know, how are we going to stop them? I know C4. If that's where we end up, I'm going to be rolling my eyes so hard, so hard. But I guess that's where we're going. And you know, um, we're not necessarily going to use C4. Mm, we're going to use C5. We're going to use it's a gatebuster. We're going to use one better. <laughs> okay, so overall, I'm mad. <laughs> But I'm mad because uh, there's a decent amount of meta that I'm not satisfied with. And within the story, I think it did an okay job with what it was doing, but it was just doing okay. And then there were parts about it that were quite nice. I mean, like the set design I thought was fun. I liked it. I did like the set design, even though I'm kind of like, you know, like, which is this? Is this like West African or is this East Asian? Oh, it's both. Gotcha. But it's also neither. (laughs) Yeah. Uh So that's like, not happy about that but it's like uh, whatever so overall i'm really just kind of uh, about this episode so what about you zach uh, what do you think so um i think this is a fine episode overall sure it, it's uh it's not my favorite episode um i like the idea of the sodan um uh while this is not an original story um i I think that it's done well as a means of introducing the Sodan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got Tony Todd, and I have always been a fan of him uh, as an actor. You know, ever yep. since I saw him as as Kern, um, I mean that voice is so recognizable. Uh, when I saw The Rock for the first time in the theater, I'm like, "That's Kern! That's awesome!" Yeah, yeah he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. I enjoy the episode. One of the thing, uh, like, 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 I enjoy the episode overall. It's, it's fine. It's not one that that makes me go, "Wow, this is amazing." Yeah. Um. Uh. One thing that I really appreciate. Um. And it it begins to tease at, I think, what you're talking about. Is Mitchell's line to Jalan, I think, uh, maybe it's Haikon, I can't remember for sure, but he says the line that we have never needed our gods to prove themselves to us in order for us to believe in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which may be overstating Western quasi-Christian beliefs uh, a little bit, uh, but... Um, it starts to get at some of those questions of, I mean, you know, uh, Haikon and the Sodan have been believing for 5,000 years or more that the ancients are their gods. Yes. And then 
Gray Man over here walks through the door, has a couple of parlor tricks. Yeah. Admittedly, they're really powerful parlor tricks. And says, you shouldn't worship those people over there. You should worship us here because we'll give you what you want. Um, y- you know, I mean, that's, you know, and, and I can understand how somebody who uh, would want those things. I mean, you know, people want the shortcut to whatever it is that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, even when they know that the shortcut is necessarily good for them. They still want it, mm-hmm. um, and and this is what the the prior at this point in time, at the very least, is offering that shortcut. And Mitchell comes in here and says in this one line about faith that you know the shortcut. I mean, I learned from a Berenstein Bears book back when I was six that you don't take the shortcut just because it's the shortcut, especially when the map says take the longer route. Because otherwise, you take the shortcut and you end up with, with, with gators and bees and all sorts of bad things that, that you don't like. Yeah, stick that, a pin in that. Berenstein, there's a Berenstein Bears book of that. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and I, I just, here's my perspective. Um, I have a perspective. Yep. Um, my goal is to be consistent with my perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, this is what we call integrity, mm-hmm. right? You have a perspective. Mm-hmm. Your perspective and my perspective are not the same. Correct. Um, I want you to be consistent with your perspective. Mm-hmm. When you're not, I can say, Brent, you're not being consistent with what you believe. Mm-hmm. Um, in like manner, you can say the same thing to me. When I was in undergrad, I took a class on Islam. Taught mm-hmm. by a uh, an Anglican priest, in fact, who mm-hmm. had spent time in in uh, spent a lot of time, uh, long many many years in, I believe Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember now. Anyway, uh, in, in in the Arab world, uh, or, or near the Arab world, um, and in the the Islam Islamic world, would be mm-hmm. a better way. Um, and when he was teaching Islam. Uh, he told us that we needed to have an open mind when we talk about this stuff and think about what is it that that uh, Islam brings to the table compared to whatever it is that we come in with. Mm-hmm. And if we are more convinced by that, we should switch. Mm-hmm. But there is that in, you know, don't, don't just stick with what you know because it's what you know, but also, um, you know, use this as a chance to learn what you know. Um, and And... The question at hand is, um, where you know, w- w- what is it that's at the core of these people? Uh, the Sudan, in this case, the the SGC personnel, in another, uh, the rest of the galaxy, in another. Um, you know, how can we figure out what it is that we know, or what it is that that is our core, and uh, be consistent with that, and be skeptical. Uh, but also open. So here's the thing. I mean, you can be open to things that are different. Um, and at the same time, sit down at the end of the day and says, you know what? I hear what you're saying. It makes sense from a certain point of view. It's not my point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting some of that. We're not getting a lot of that. Uh, you have to kind of read between the lines and kind of think about things. It's not bonk, bonk on the head. Um, 
I don't think it will ever be bonk bonk on the head because we don't have philosophers writing the stories. We have uh, Hollywood writers, well, right. Vancouver writers right. writing the story. Right. Um, uh, but uh, some of those pieces are there. Uh, you know, um, I just listened to the, the commentary for this episode, which was Peter DeLuise and uh, uh, Gary Jones. Mm-hmm. And in general... When Peter DeLuise and Gary Jones are talking in a commentary, it's going to be uh, bonkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of silly. Uh, it, it is going to be unrelated. Like, 80% of what they say is going to be unrelated <laughs> to the actual episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort um, of like us. <laughs> Maybe not quite that bad. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Um, but uh, most of the time, I think it, it's, it's not worth listening to. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably its own form of entertainment, but it's not actually providing information as related to the show itself. Right. Now, yeah. uh, in addition to... Now, in that, we get a lot of stuff from Peter DeLuise that is self-deprecating, right? He just kind of wants to just say he's stealing from a whole bunch of other things. And yeah, he sure. Is, and, and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, uh, if we step aside, step back, and look at things, um, we can see that that there are tenants that he believes, not just as, uh, as a storyteller, but as a person, that make their way into his stories. Sure. And there's some consistency there. Um, whether he's able to articulate that, most of the time he's not. Uh, in part, perhaps, because he's trying to be funny. I don't know. Maybe he can't. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. but there is some consistency there. Um, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for characters to be consistent, uh, characters to uh, be uh, skeptical. I mean, we saw this in Volnek, right? He was like, well, you know, and, and you made this point, right? The, the SGC are uh, his adversaries. Yep. They may not be bad or good. It doesn't matter. But, but uh, they're, from his perspective, they do not have his best interest at heart. Correct. Um, now, we know, because we're stepping back a little bit, that... that uh, they do want what's best for him. Yeah. Um, now, whether what they think is what's best for him is what he thinks is what's best for him, or what is actually what's best for him, those are totally different questions. Yes. But um, they, they want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. They also want him to join their side, of course. Yes. yes. But they want him to succeed, right? Um, but he's the adversary. He's the one that's chained to the bed or the table, or whatever it is. So it's understandable that he is suspect of everything they say. And he holds that, uh, that suspicion to everything they bring up. Um, what, what I'm also seeing and is that the various groups that, uh, well, particularly this one, when the Ori come in, they aren't being as discerning towards the Ori as I would like them to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all like, oh my gosh, it's a bag of tricks. Well, that's pretty cool. You must be a god. Uh, walk me through your thought process again. You know, that, that, yeah. th- 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 there, there's some mistakes there. Uh, I don't know. I started rambling. Well, no, yeah. Um, but it speaks to the heart. It, it, it is speaking to the heart of why I was excited when we got introduced to this question. Right. Because the question on the table that season one, episode one introduced was, what do you do when 
a bunch of uh, individuals who are evident through evidence showing that they only want to serve their own interests at the expense of every other interest. Mm -hmm. What do you do when you are presented with a group of people who are like that and they hold power that is uh, so much further beyond what you have that you are at a loss at how to confront it? That was the question that was given to us at the start of the season. And I was super excited to get into that because it was also kind of hinging on some philosophy and some theology as well. I was super excited because it was also introducing kind of a secondary question below that, which is assume that to confront this power, you will be gathering allies and creating rebellion, both inside your own local group and inside the local group of this power in order to keep it at bay. Assume that you are going to be doing that. How do you succeed? That was the second question. And I was very excited about that one because another version of asking that question is, how do you determine if a power is divine or not? And then how do you determine if your relationship to that divine power is worthy of resistance or not? And if you resist, how do you succeed? Like those questions I thought were juicy, 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 juicy. And I think that we are just belly flopping on all of them. I think that we are. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking I I would tweak this. Like the question in this season is twofold. How do we battle an ideology? How do you how do you take on an ideology with uh, an ideology with power? Like literal things. Sure. You keep calling it a bag of tricks, but they call it miracles. Like, what's the you difference? Know, well, you know, they're, 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 there's, that's, the, that's the question. As it, in business, it's a right? great question. <laughs> right? Uh, which, which then comes back to what I was saying before when you talk about um, what are your own internal values. Right. Right? For me, personally, uh, I root everything else I do in the, the assumption that there is value in the personhood of everyone. Yeah. That if you are standing in front of me, you are valuable. If you're not standing in front of me, you're valuable. But if yep. you're standing in front of me, I don't have near as much interaction with you as if you are in front of me. Yep. Um, the the Ori have a lot of power, but it is clear already that they don't value the personhood of the people in front of them. Yeah. But just because that's different doesn't make it intrinsically bad it just makes it antithetical to and and well so here's the thing it's like you know i mean frankly good and bad is defined by the gods uh sure i mean you know we you know i mean we do what we do um you know whether whether and and by gods i'm using that very generally yeah 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 Yeah. some some people will will call it humanism well but that's uh, still an external yeah i mean that's still an external definition source and then therefore i think we're right back to well then why is this one bad why is this external one bad and that one good well here again for me i mean a i can only operate from my perspective yeah 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 all right so i have to root myself there me uh i believe that there is value and worth in the personhood of everybody in front of me mm-hmm uh, which means that my job as another person 
is to fight for uh, the the flourishing of those people in front of me. Yeah. Now that means I need to learn from them about who they are and what's going on, and 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 not just assume that I know what'll make them flourish. Right. So there's that question, but it also means that when I see somebody doing actions that are harming either uh, their own flourishing, my flourishing, because I'm a person too, or somebody else's flourishing, I need to ask the question, what's going on? And potentially get to a place where it says, okay, some behaviors are not good. Killing people prevents, I mean, generally, prevents people from flourishing. Right. It's not good. So my job is to... uh, try to stop people from killing people. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens when I get into a war situation and I have people killing other people, you know, it it gets messy. It gets messy really fast. Mm -hmm. I get it. But I'm also being consistent. And and what do I call evil? I call those things evil. Not, Not people evil, but I call actions and even ideologies evil when those ideologies and actions Reduce the capacity of others from being persons and flourishing as best possible as persons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's that's my comment. So when I look at the ori, I'm like, you you don't do that. I mean, or you you do that, right? You 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 right. The ori do that, right? So my job then is to not deny the power, but to resist it because that's where I'm coming from. Period. Yeah. Okay. So then, Zach, you get sent over to P three nine or five or six seventeen, and the people there are listening to you, and they go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." I hear you. I disagree. They say, "I disagree that uh, that an individual's flourishing is the litmus test for good and evil." They say. They say, uh, "I think that the." that the flourishing of an entire society is the litmus test at the expense of the individual, that the individual is sacrificial to that end, that we make that determination communally through our little systems. And we have been informed by this book that have been written, that has been written by the ORI. That's what we believe. So convince me. And I don't know if we can, because I, unfortunately I'm the one that's got to keep the tight, the schedule tight, but, I was hoping that the show would at least give a pass at trying to give an answer to why we believe what we believe through the mechanism of confronting somebody who asked that question in this framework. And I thought that would have been fantastic. I thought that would have been an excellent discussion about why we hold the values that we hold as Americans in the 21st century and Westerners in the 21st century and members of humanity in the 21st century. I thought that was an excellent opportunity. And the best that we've got is, well, it's self-evident. It's like, ah, no, (laughs) self-evident is not (laughs) self-evident. Like you gotta, you gotta work harder. And that brings me back to my original point of it's a TV show. This is a TV TV show show in the early 2000s. Yeah. Responding in their own way to 9-11. Yeah. Um, and culture in general in the early 2000s 
did not have the capacity to ask the question that you were asking. Yeah, I'm not certain that they have the question, the capacity to ask that question even today. Uh, um, yeah, the I closest uh, show yeah. I've ever seen on TV to really delve into those types of questions is Battlestar Galactica, which is yeah. of the same era. Yeah, um, that lasted four seasons, and then when that ended, everybody got pissed. Yes, because of how it ended. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I also recognize that what I'm actually doing is that I'm flirting with the possibility of there being some kind of a of an answer. Um, I'm less interested in the answer. I'm more interested in hearing the justifications, right? Like, that is the interesting thing to me. Explain to me why you think it's and, and that's where I'm getting frustrated is that the justifications that have been provided through the show so far have been weak. And therefore, I'm not blaming any of these cultures that we have been seeing where they look at us and go, no, you don't got it. You don't you don't have what we're looking for. See you later. Well, you know, I mean, that, you know, frankly, that that actually shouldn't be surprising because the closest thing we have to a philosopher on the team is an archaeologist. True. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 You know, um, you know, if there was a philosopher on the team um who knows something about epistemology uh and knows something about hermeneutical processes yep uh epistemology the art of knowing how you know things yep um uh you know that that's the question that you want to get you want to get to that epistemological question yep um we have people who know how to shoot things on this tv show yep 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 we don't have epistemologists nope we don't um so the question at hand becomes... How do you shoot your way through epistemology? <laughs> no! No! I'm but not the, sure. The, the, you can't. I, exactly. <laughs> you can't. Uh, the, 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 this, is, this is proven uh, with yeah. the United States' response to 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to fight terrorism in a brand new way, yep, looking with, exactly the same as the old way. With drones. That's the new way. No, 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 no. That, that's today's new way. That wasn't 2005's mm. new way. That's fair. That's a good point. Bullets! Bullets! Bullets are going to be how we're going to convince you. Bullets! It's the No, but, but what is interesting, or what, what, what the question then becomes, is how do people who are trained to shoot things struggle with the epistemological question when they're not even trained to work with the epistemological question? And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing them do that um they're not doing it very well because they're not epistemologists right um but we did get a little bit in this episode from from mitchell when he says that you know we have never needed proof of divine power to believe in the existence of our gods sure and and i'm i'm paraphrasing that clearly but but there is a moment um where there's something to that which is not fleshed out. It's not, well, certainly, you know, uh, Haikon or whoever he's talking to doesn't fully grasp that, but he kind of hears some of it. Um, you know, I mean, but, but that's also all you could expect from a guy who has been trained to shoot guns. Yes. Um, who hasn't been through training to articulate epistemological questions and, and uh, situations. Uh, so in that regard, um, we're doing okay. It's a TV show. It is a TV show. 
I gave myself unrealistically high expectations about what we were going to do this season. It's well, okay. I'll be a Midwesterner. It's actually my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Crying out loud. But I mean, it kind of is in a little way. I was, I mean, and, and I'm not saying that to be like the martyr. I'm just saying that to be like, yeah, yeah, no, like I really like these amazingly crunchy questions that don't have answers readily available and, you know, have have loops and difficulties that you have to go through to try to understand the thing like the 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 the, the deeper it goes the more i'm interested in it and i did and i stand by it i mean i think that there is opportunity for like a science fiction book that has this as its as its premise like what we're we seeing need, here. We need somebody to write a book called The Gospel According to Stargate. Yeah, or whatever. And, you and, know, however and, that and looks. I'm, right. You know, I, I don't need, by the, just to be clear, I don't, I'm not talking about specifically a Christian book. No, no, we need, yeah, we need, uh, you know, like the, 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 you know, by definition, it's going to have to be from a, from a, you know, from, from a human point of view, obviously, but like, that's an interesting question to me, but it is a really deep question and it probably will not have a very satisfying answer at the other side of it. Unless it breaks through in a way that kind of really illuminates some things that people struggle with and are, you know, tough to get your head around. Like those moments where you do have that that glimpse of understanding that those moments are amazing and they happen, but they don't happen when they don't happen on a 43 minute television show. (laughs) They they don't. So. so Here's what makes science fiction, I think, really cool. And and even in Stargate, because it's not just an adventure TV show. Right. Um, but it's not designed to give you the answers. And frankly, when it does, you get torqued at it. Not just you specifically, but yeah. just, you know. Um, but if it sets up the situation, we have a bunch of humans who are not trained in epistemology being forced to deal with an epistemological question. Yes. And they're struggling to do it. And that's actually what we get on the screen. So then the question becomes, what do I, as a watcher of this, take from this? How, how does this speak to my situation, my environment? Um, and, and that's not something that, that always can be, like, the, the, the threads can be put on the screen and then us are given the opportunity to tug on those screen, those strings, those threads, yeah, to see what happens. And that's on us as watchers, as consumers of this. Well, I think, and th- hopefully, if if they do their job well enough, you can have people who will pull on those threads and find some amazing conversations, like yes. you just did today. Yes, yes. Or if you don't want to pull on those threads because you're like, oh, I just need some fun right now. You get a little bit of that, too. I think that there's the in my opinion, there's an easy way out for the for the for the story on this one. A piece of cake. It's to acknowledge on screen that they are not getting ahead on this question. I think that my frustration is that I have seen five episodes now where the problem on the table is that people are starting to believe that the Ori are actually gods and that the that the attempt at solution that we have in the episode is. To say to them, they kill other people, therefore that can't be true. They must be false. That's it. That's not working. Quit trying that from a story point of view. Instead, perhaps in, find, a, find a civilization that are believing in the Ori through the priors and 
have the team just sit there frustrated like this isn't working like we're not getting anywhere we are getting so nowhere put a pin in that uh-huh and in a few episodes let's come back to that question and we'll see okie dokie i'm excited for that uh, i mean i i i know there's an episode coming up that may or may not address your issues well i wish they would have come to it sooner well they're waiting for a cliffhanger because this is a TV show. We got to have a mid-season cliffhanger. We've got to build up to the cliffhanger, Brent. Okay. All right. Fine. And the cliffhanger happens on season episodes 10 and 11 because yeah. it's the middle of the season. Yeah. Which is soon. Quite soon. Which is soon. All right. So we'll come back to that perhaps. Now, I know that you have a timeline. I do. Crunch. And so we probably haven't talked about this episode near enough and yet also too much. Which is the nice paradox of what we do. Yes, it's true. It is still time to ask for your Chevron ratings. I'll be brief. I I didn't like it. I thought it was meh. What it did, it did fine with. I didn't like where we went because of the meta stuff. Unfortunately, I will dock it for the meta stuff, but I think I'm going to let that go going forward. I'm giving this a three out of seven. It did a couple things really well. I like the, the I like the introductions that happened here. I'm not happy with where we're going with 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 the with the meta conversation and the ORI situation, but we talked about that at length. Overall, though, I think it was just kind of middling. Even if I wasn't sour on that one, I wouldn't necessarily give this one high marks, but it was fine for what it did. So mm-hmm. under a normal situation, I would have given it more. But because of the of the totality, I'm giving it three out of seven. What about you? Um, I liked it more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will give this. I'm going to give it a. Uh. <laughs> don't let my negativity drag you down necessarily no 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 i'm so even before this conversation i was struggling to figure out where i wanted to what i, what I want to rate this thing sure the conversation didn't help that <laughs> <laughs> it just confused it more um good good oh man you're so evil uh, you... <laughs> i'm gonna hood. give it a four and a half Okay. There it is. Yeah. A four and a half. Um, a little bit better than, you know, I mean, it, it, it I, I like elements of it. I, I find some of it, it kind of slow. Um, <clears throat> it, it's not awesome for me, but it's not bad. It, it's four and a half. Yeah. All yeah. right. That's fine. Um, we have a couple of Facebook comments. Yeah. Let's dive into that. All right. We'll start with uh, Paul. Hi, Paul. Paul says, the Sodan emerge and take no prisoners. I mean, one prisoner. Yeah. An episode of Faith and Beliefs. Will these badass Jaffa change their ways or hold their ground? It is up to Mitchell to help them. Brent gives this a five, and nope. Zach gives it a five and a half. I mean, right. Not so, not so far off for you. Yeah. All right. Pretty then we guess. have Dimitri. Hi, Dimitri. Dimitri says, hey, Zach. Hey, Brent. Anyone who trespasses on Sodan land shall forfeit their lives. <laughs> Just kidding. Everyone lived. Like, <laughs> yeah. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Not one person died. Two minor yet dramatically overplayed injuries. Oh, and what was up with the firefight in the beginning of the episode? Bunch of stormtroopers. Not a single shot hit anything from either side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stargate podcast. Sorry. Stargate. <laughs> Stargate. Stargate. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it more than I did. There are many, oh, so many great episodes. This one just doesn't do it for me. Three and a half for me. Yeah. Yes, I do have. Sometimes <laughs> things are just in the middle. 
not a three, not a four. Brent, however, will give it a four, and close. Zach will give it a four and a half. Oh, wow, right on the money. Very well close. Fingers crossed on my random guess. Yeah, it was pretty close. Very close, Dimitri. Yeah, very close. And that's what we have for the Facebooks. All right. Over on the Discords, we've got Kriamisk. Hi, Kriamisk. Hi, Kriamisk. Trying to change someone's beliefs with a contradictory view is pointless. I can see how this one fits in, but I won't bother getting into it because this one was a sleeper for me. Not criticizing it, but it just doesn't keep me interested past the original watch from years ago. It has its moments, but not enough of them. Brent a three. Mm. Zach a three as well. Very, 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 very close. Very close. close. Very close. Thank you, Kriamisk. Right. Now we've got JD. Hi, JD. Hi, JD. JD says the Sodan are awesome, but the story is meh. And the mythical Jaffa tribe kind of breaks down the more that you think about it. Also, white guys, white guy does thing, thing well trope is lame. Yeah, white guy does things well as trope is lame. I give it a four because the Sodan are awesome, but I'm anticipating a three from Brent. Yeah. And a three and a half from Zach. Ah. Also close. Also very close. All right. We got Banjo. Hi, Banjo. Hi, Banjo. Banjo says skippable episode. So not a fan. I don't care for how big and foreseeable the trope of guy kills brother of a person that person trains you just to get his revenge Ugh. so over the whole thing i give it a two brent wow. gives it a two oof and a three from zach eh, little wow a little harsh but no but wait no novala in the episode chevron encoding bias activated and it gives me a three <laughs> <laughs> no i like vala i know me too all right. All right, we got Tim. We got Brother Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, Brother Tim. Tim says, I actually like this one quite a bit, in part because of the because of spoilers. Oh, okay. All right. He's always, so Tim gives it a six. Wow. Brent will give it a five because, quote, why are we just hearing about the great Jaffa warriors of the Sodan that have already flung off the shackles of the Ghoul Wild in season nine? Shouldn't we have been looking for them to help our cause a few seasons back already? I didn't even think of that. That is very good. That's a teal. You've been holding out on us. <laughs> so, like, I, I actually thought about, I mean, not this time around, but in the past, I've, I've thought that thought. I'm like, we are, why are we just hearing about these guys now? Tealk. Tealk. Uh, anyway, so Tim the continues. Warriors Brent, of the Sodan are real. Uh, yeah, so Brent gives it a five. Nope, that's not, I didn't, but uh, Zach will give it a five and a half because Zach likes to give half chevrons. <laughs> Only sometimes. Often. I think often. All right. Then we got Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. Ah, the Sodan, the legendary group of Jaffa that we have heard all. Wait, no, wait a minute. We haven't. Never mind. The Sodan, <laughs> a legendary race of hidden Jaffa that even predate Teal'c and Braytac's rebellion. I took a few notes during this week's episode. One, if the Sodan were such great warriors, I don't think Mitchell should have been able to originally get the upper hand. Therefore, I have a less than stellar view of than the Sodan. It's a good point. Two. Seems like SG-1 finally brought some backup. They should do that more often. Seems to work in their favor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Four. For some reason, whenever I get that particular prior, I always feel like he should have a cigarette. Not sure why. <laughs> Five. They sure seem that they sure seem sure that Mitchell is going to die. His plot armor would suggest otherwise. <laughs> This there. episode is a bit boring. I feel and feels like it does doesn't do much to move the story forward other than introduce the Sodan, which you would think we would have heard of before this point. Double checks notes to make sure that there has been no mention of them previously. 
Oh, well, he continues, maybe it will pay off at some point. I predict ratings of four chevrons. Quite close, quite close. I can't wait to see some of the prototype puppets for the rapidly approaching episode 200. Looking forward to it. See you soon. And then we have Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says four from Brentmere and 3.5 from Zackety. Zackety (laughs) Tic-Tac. I'm not sure I get the reference. Also quite close, but kind of flip us around and it's still close. close. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. As others have said, there's no mention of the Sodan ever. This is very much a filler episode of which uh, likely was placed in here after all the Ori storyline had wrapped up filming. I, Sean the Mean, Sheen, Sheen the Mean, Mean as an average. I think I think I might be mispronouncing his name. Sheen, 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 Mean, or maybe he says Sean the Mon. Mon is an average. (laughs) Rate this one. Wow. A 4.33 recurring. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sheen Sean right, Mean Mon. Thank you very much. Um, is that it? That's it. That's it for our Discords. Okay. And we do have an email. Uh, we've got Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. Uh, Lydia Ann says, Greetings. One of the ways an oppressor subjugates people is by separating them from their history, especially anything that undermines their own power. The Gua'uld did this. Mm-hmm. Considering how fragmented they kept the Jaffa, I'll buy that it took nine years for Tilk to find intel on the Sodan. Okay. Okay. All right. I also give the riff off of The Last Samurai at all a pass because I think the trope is used well here. Mitchell doesn't become the best warrior. He's not integrated into Sodan society. Yeah, okay. Yep. He doesn't assume a leadership role. What happens is the work of building bridges. Jolan and Mitchell learn to understand each other. They ask questions and listen. They find common ground. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's more epistemology for you, Brent. Booah! Booah! Take that. Anyway. Uh, I also think the Sodan are fascinating. 5,000 years ago, they could see the truth about the Gua'uld, but because the Ori are offering what the Sodan wanted from the ancients... Lord Haikon can't or won't acknowledge that the Ori operate similarly to the Gua'uld as a colonizing force that accepts no dissent. Mm-hmm. Lydia Ann, I need to get you on the podcast because you said that way better than I could. <laughs> oh, I still have, uh, I still have uh, philosophical, I'll call them quibbles, but well, we'll uh, carry I'm, on. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. I'm just yeah. simply saying that that Lydia Ann did a much better job than, than my <laughs> 25 sure. minutes of rambling. Yeah, but it's your podcast. Thank you. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Considering that Haikon's position on the Ori is very similar to what Brent has been saying, I predict more interesting discussion. Brent 6, Zach 6. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, right. If I was to rate this based off of the discussion that we had, yeah, you're right. Sure. It would have been yeah. way up there. Yep. Um, so then we have David. Hi, David. Just like that training montage, imagine a montage of every Chevron encoding bias buffer joke I've ever made. Wow. Wow. I'm imagining it. It's a bunch of emails. All right. (laughs) This episode (laughs) has a few things going for it. Uh Uh-huh. Number one, Tony Todd. Mm -hmm. Number two, the cigarette smoking man from the X-Files as a prior. Number three, set up for future episodes. And that's about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Otherwise completely forgettable, full of way too many tropes, and there is stuff that just does not work or even make sense. 
Brent will give this a generous three chevrons because oh, the cigarette wow. yeah, smoking right man on the, the X Files makes a great prior of the Ori. Yeah, to, yeah, not for that, but that's a yes. Yes, carry on. And an even more generous three and a half chevrons oh, from Zach. Close, because close. the setup for the setup is important. Yeah, I gave it a full extra chevron than that. Thank you. Thank you. Very but otherwise, much. very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much. Those are our emails. Hey, there you go. Very nice. Thank you, everybody. Very nice. Yeah. Okay, Brent. Yes. We got to keep this moving. Yep, we do. Uh, next episode is called Prototype. What's it about? Oh, uh, Prototype. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. They find themselves in front of a machine that makes no sense what it, what it all at all. But through careful discernment of what this machine possibly does, they realize that if you step on a rock right next to it, all of a sudden a hammer goes flying into the air and smacks a wall. And when the hammer retur- retreats, an impression was made on the wall. And that's very strange. But you step on a different stone and the same thing happens, but with a different lever and a different impression. And they realize that if you put up a giant piece of paper that you can be stepping on stones and it gets hammers on the wall. And if you put ink on those hammers and boop, 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 you have yourself a typewriter. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1 where we discovered the first typewriter prototype. <laughs> How was that? Uh, I love it. It's wrong, but I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Shall we watch the promo that David very kindly made for us? Yes. We'll see if there are any sock puppets in this one. Ooh, yeah, maybe there's sock puppets. Maybe. All right. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. I checked our telemetry based on known star positions. Somehow, we got sent to a different planet. SG-1 makes an amazing discovery on a planet that is trying to keep them away. Who is this mystery person found in a hidden lab? Uh Uh-huh. Patient X definitely shows some physiological similarities. You think he's an angel? Why don't we ask him? We do know about this case. It's physiologically human. He's very much like the priors of the aura. An advanced form of human far along in evolutionary development. But when the truth is revealed, what will be the fate of Stargate Command? We know that you were grown in that lab, that you possess Anubis' DNA and his genetic memories. Oh, no. next time. Oh, no. Ah, I mean, (laughs) I guess Anubis is going to be back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but maybe we'll get our own Ori. Well, that'll be fascinating. Or not all right. Uh, prior. That's what I meant. Prior. Maybe we'll get our own prior. It, it, it's, it's possible. Uh, I don't think that uh, Anubis is a good uh, uh, template for creating our own priors. Just, just to throw that out there. But the enemy of my enemy is my friend, isn't he? I, yeah, is, he? <laughs> is he? How about we make a bunch of them and send them over to that other galaxy? What do you think will happen then? Uh, they'll probably, like, start playing bridge. <laughs> Surely no consequence of ill, of ill results for us. Uh, yeah. So we'll have to cross that bridge next week <laughs> when we come to it. <laughs> I'm excited. All right. Well, so that'll be next week with Prototype. Uh, everybody, tell us what you think about this episode. We talked a lot about a whole lot of philosophy and epistemology sure and hermeneutics and, yep. and all sorts of stuff. And we talked about fighting with guns and... And, and things, so lots bit. of things to think about. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. 
Tell us what you think. Uh, email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Send us your videos with your sock puppets and, yep. and have fun with that. Uh, or marionettes or whatever it is that is. You, you could have like like little uh, popsicle stick characters. That works too. Ooh, that like would work, yeah. a thumb puppet or a finger puppet, you know? Oh. Like, like just draw a smiley face on your finger. That's that, fine draw too. Draw a smiley face on your finger. That's a good idea. Or, or, or a frowny face, whichever is more appropriate for what you're doing. However, uh, however it is. Yes. Uh, anyway. Do all of those things. Go to all of the places on Facebook and the Discords and, and, and the website and, 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 and the Buy Me a Coffees and all of those things. All those things. And with all that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.